0: Welcome to Art Nature Science on the Binnaburra Cultural Landscape, the podcast that tells the story of the mountain's natural wonder through art-making and exploring the creative spirit and celebrates the history and heritage of this magnificent World Heritage Area. My name's Michelle Walker, and I'm joined today by Miranda Brackus. Miranda's a conservationist, ecologist, and dog handler currently studying an honours degree on koalas at the University of Sunshine Coast. She's passionate about connecting people to nature and making science more accessible to everyone. Her happy place is in the forest. Welcome, Miranda. Thank you, Michelle. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you. And I'm really interested to hear a bit more about your journey as an ecologist and an artist.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I guess I haven't really been in this space for all that long. So I am originally from Melbourne, and I studied a Bachelor of Environmental Science, Wildlife and Conservation Biology. I did that degree because there were heaps of field trips, which I always knew I loved. (laughs) Yeah, even from school. School camps are always my favourite, just getting outdoors. And I feel like that's where you make the best friends, usually through hardships, like (laughs) if it's a really wet night camping or something. So, yeah, I really, really loved that degree at Deakin and, yeah, spent a lot of time out in forests. And I was even lucky enough to go to Peru and spend some time in Amazon jungle. Mm. and as a kid growing up I was always lucky to go camping all throughout Victoria and yeah form some really good memories in the Victorian Alps and down on the Great Ocean Road and yeah really just wanted to continue doing that as a job because I knew I loved doing that in my spare time so. um... So why koalas? (laughs) Yeah that's a really good question I Initially, quite funny, I didn't want to really work on such a charismatic species that everyone is always drawn to. I was more wanting to do work on the understudied, less known about species. Like I was originally going to do work on alpine plants, but I was drawn to the research team I'm part of now because they do a lot of work with conservation detection dogs. So using dogs to find species that we can't usually see So koalas are notoriously hard to spot. And I found that the work with the dogs was something I really, really wanted to do. I kind of originally wanted to be a vet because I've always loved dogs and cats, but also wildlife. So kind of pairing my love of wildlife and dogs to to be a dog handler, which is yeah, what I do with, with the detection dogs team at Uni Sunshine Coast. And they do a lot of their work on koalas. It just kind of naturally happened, but couldn't what be a, happier
0: working on it. What koalas. a great story. What a great yeah. story. So do you have a team of dogs or is it?
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. We've got okay.
0: five dogs with the detection
1: dogs team and they're all rescue dogs, all very ball obsessed. So that's um, kind of their motivation is when they find what we're looking for, which is usually koalas or quolls, they get rewarded with a, a ball and it just helps us immensely. Like we'll go into an area where you don't know if there's koalas or quolls present and they will... That will
0: show you that there are um, animals there. And what are they detecting? Are they detecting scat, urine? Yes, yes. Or the animals themselves, yeah?
1: Yeah, so one of our dogs there, he was used extensively after the bushfires to find the actual koala itself. So he's trained on koala fur and he was really useful in finding sick and injured koalas post bushfires. And then the rest of our dogs are trained on koala scat. So mm-hmm. I spend a lot of my time
0: hands and knees on the ground. Poof. Yeah, yeah. sniffing, <laughs> checking the koala poo. Yeah, it's a really good indicator of um, if koalas in an area. Koalas have such an unusual footprint, don't they? Like if you see them where they've left their mark in the mud, I've had that happen a couple of times on the farm and I thought looking at sort of muddy parts on the tracks and I thought, what is that? And took a photo of it and went back to study it and realised that it was actually a koala footprint.
1: Yeah, they've kind of got two thumbs. They, they have. have? It's so, really yeah, odd. Yeah, it's, it's very, very strange. Yeah, I agree. It looks I really guess funny.
0: It <laughs> makes for the foot that ca- you know carries them up trees, so that's perfectly Yeah. Yes. Understandable. Yes, yeah. Incredible climbers they are. Yeah. yeah. And how far along are you in your studies?
1: So, yeah, I'm studying honours currently and I'm doing it part time. So, combining honours and working with the detection dogs at the same time. So, it's two years and I'm about one year through currently.
0: Perfect. Oh, that's, yeah. so, that's so good. And enjoying it, I gather.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Like, It just makes work so, so much fun when you get to work with the dogs. You can see they're having a great time. It is hard work, I have to say,
0: Yeah. but, yeah, really rewarding and And have a great team up there. I gather you spend, like, weeks or week-long stretches in the forest out doing field trips and so forth. Yeah, that's it. So tell me about how you see your work kind of intersecting with what's been happening at Binanbarra with the Art Nature Science Programme.
1: Yeah, this was a really chance encounter that I found out about this. One of my study sites for honours is on Minjeriba, North Stradbroke Island, mm-hmm. where Renata, um, she was there and she told me about it. And I hadn't really considered myself an artist as such. I'd always just been quite <laughs> scientific and logical and practical and kind of Can, can the I creating. just say,
0: can I just say, artists can be logical and practical as well?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> just putting in yeah. a plug for them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very true. And yeah, that's kind of what I've learned through this, kind of reconsidered what it is to be an artist and to be a scientist. So my research is looking at if we can use acoustic recorders, which are like little microphones that you attach to trees, seeing if they can be used to determine koala density, so how many koalas are in a specific area. We use the dogs to work out if koalas are there or not, and then we were testing these acoustic recorders to see if they can work out how many koalas are in an area, which is, yeah, really crucial to work out. Do we need to really yep. Viability, spend all our right? resources on here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I've been collecting lots of forest sounds because koala males make this really loud grunting bellow sound during the breeding season. So that was what I was mainly aiming at collecting. But you get a huge range of other different sounds from the forest as well. And I was uh, listening to those sounds, doing the acoustic analysis and just thought, oh, it's just so gorgeous listening to these sounds and just like took me right back there, even though I was in an office listening. And I thought, oh, what can I do with these sounds? And yeah, when I met Renata, I met mean, job I thought, yeah, this, this could be the perfect opportunity to make something of this. And I yeah, kind of just did an audio compilation of different sounds that I had collected and interwined that with um, stories from friends and family of notable experiences that they've had in forests. So it might've been a A chance encounter with an animal or a close-up unexpected incident that happens so
0: yeah so yeah really cool opportunity it really melds so well doesn't it because it's interesting what you've been through in terms of perhaps opening your thoughts to what it is that you're collecting yes it's scientific data but it's also got this incredible power to help people drop into a creative space I mean Binnaburra is a fantastic place the first time I ever heard a grunting male koala was at Binabara right down on Windy Corner. and oh, wow. And I was a little tacker, like I think I might have been seven or eight, you know, kind of. And we'd heard them bushwalking and then we went looking kind of to stand closer to them. And as a kid I was just delighted by this almost unfeasible noise that they made. They were so unlikely, this cuddly thing making this sort of unbelievable grunt. But it's delightful at the same time, I find, you know, just being that close encounter with an animal does something, I think, to people. Mm -hmm. It touches on our humanity and reminds us of our animal side. Yes, Yes. So tell us, that was part of what you did at the workshop, isn't it? So tell us about the workshop that you ran as part of the Art Nature Science program that we're a part of.
1: Yeah, I um was lucky to present at the little pottery shed on Benavara, and I had a lovely, lovely group of people that presented to. I gave a PowerPoint presentation about my honours research, and then I had about a half hour meditation where we all lay down in this beautiful space, and I had made a little mix of recordings from the forest, and then interspersed that with stories. Because I think storytelling really does connect you to each other and to nature. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful way to get information across. I don't think many people will be reading my thesis and I think that is fine. (laughs) It's Yeah, it's about using that information and spreading it in a more creative, accessible way and just interesting. And yeah, it gets me thinking in an imaginative way, how can I make this something that's more enjoyable to absorb than just reading a,
0: a journal article or something. Yeah. And accessible in that way. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Beautiful. And what were some of the responses from the participants? Everyone
1: come up to me afterwards and just say, it was just wonderful. I had a story from my dad actually in the um, the compilation. And it was a story I hadn't even heard from him about A close encounter with a lyrebird he'd been packed carrying bushwalking and he'd fallen down and hurt his wrist really badly and had to bathe it in this cold stream and that was when this lyrebird just passed him so close that he could touch Ah. it and yeah I think that story just really kind
0: of left a mark on everyone you know the lyrebird's such an elusive bird and so that's such a rare encounter I remember seeing some of the footage that Glenn Trelfo filmed of the lyrebird doing at Prance, and we put that footage into the application for Lamington to be part of the Central Eastern Rainforests of Australia World Heritage Area. And, you know, that was so rare because I'd heard lyrebirds all my life up at Lamington, but, you know, so rare to see one. So what a mm, great story. So mm. I'm sure if anyone was in the group that had that understanding of what a rare thing that was.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then obviously halfway through my research, so um, they were just keen to see how it goes,
0: I guess. So. I bet. A <laughs> few people updated great stuff okay I've got a couple of rapid fire questions so don't think just answer the first thing that comes to your mind if you had to sum up Binnaburra in one photo what would it be ferns beautiful what does art nature science mean to you
1: just a fusion of creativity and facts making it accessible to everyone in a fun way creativity is oh that's a good question Creativity is just thinking outside the box and looking at something in a different way. Love it. And what's inspiring you right now? Oh, I'm back home visiting in Melbourne at the moment and been spending a lot of time in the mountain ash Mm. forests that, yeah, just in Melbourne's backyard really where there's the tallest growing moss in the world right next to the tallest flowering trees in the world and it's just a wonderful contrast of the small
0: and the large and there yeah, there's beauty and everywhere really and it's great to hear all your stories and to hear about your journey and your honours studies and what you're doing helping us be able to track and map our koala population which is such a critical piece of our fauna you know often used as a keystone for lots of other species so how can people connect with you and your activities
1: I am not overly active on social media myself, but you can follow the team that I'm part of at University of Sunshine Coast. We are USC Detection Dogs team on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And we have a website as well. So yeah, you Mm -hmm. can keep up
0: to date with all the awesome work that our team's doing. That sounds great. Thanks so much for your time today, Miranda. It's been a delight talking to you. Likewise. Thank you so much, Michelle. So following on with this theme of sounds and stories from the forest, I now want to introduce my next guest, Helen Stubbs. Helen's a writer, journalist and creative producer who loves following stories and paths for the discovery along the way and the surprise at the end of the journey. Helen's stories have been published in Apex Magazine, Kaleidotrope, Midnight Echo, anthologies by International Fantasy Writers Guild Publishing, Black Beacon Books and more. Her nonfiction appears in We Are Gold Coast and Nevertheless. She loves rock climbing and exploring the mountains of southeast Queensland. Wonderful to have you here, Helen. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me today. Well, it's great to connect. And I would love it if you could give a brief overview of your creative journey in writing. It
2: Would be my pleasure. Well, I've always written and growing up on a farm on the edge of the rainforest meant I was inspired by nature. All the things around me from the chickens to the rivers to the dawns. I was lucky in that my view waking up every morning was Springbrook on, on a clear day from Numan Bar. so a spectacular sunrise, and I wrote a lot of poems appreciating nature. I loved English and literature at school, but I also loved nature and science, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life. I started biology at uni, but I missed the art so much That I switched over and my first degree was a Bachelor of Arts at UQ majoring in journalism and English literature. But I didn't think writing fiction could be a real career for me and I didn't think I had the right personality for journalism. After uni I taught English in Japan and pursued a more financially viable career but I've always written and over the 20 or so years since I left uni I've kept on writing I've had a lot of work published, both in journalism and fiction, mostly speculative fiction stories and journalism features. And I ran Writers Activation, which was a little writing centre in Southport, with meetings, workshops and performance nights. I helped run the National Science Fiction Convention in Brisbane in 2016 and completed honours at Griffith University in creative writing, researching emotion and the characterisation of nature. Currently, I write short features mostly for We Are Gold Coast on a broad range of topics, including mountain biking trails and the band The Hollow Cove's um, film clips and in Valley. I really love doing those articles for the people that I meet and to share their messages. And my most recent feature was about Waijangba Jajams, a midwifery practice run by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women for Indigenous women. I'm also always working on novels. (laughs) And I have short fiction coming out this year in A Hint of Hitchcock, an anthology published by Black Beacon Books. And I have another story coming out
0: that I can't talk about yet. That sounds exciting, that secret project. It sounds like a beautiful journey from figuring out what it is that you want from lack of clarity, but having lots of interests into settling into your various writing activities and having written and published a book of my own in 2019, I know it's a big job, you know, what you're doing in pulling together really good, clear writing that entices an audience is a really big ask. And And a massive job to publish a book like I. I haven't done that myself I think that's enormous yeah well that that joy is out there for you I'm sure so tell us how does your creative writing and I you know I can guess it a few lines but I'd really love to hear how you see what you do creatively lining up with the art nature science program that, that Benneborough is running at the moment
2: oh I'm totally into art nature science I love science for how it explains things And I'm a huge fan of logical thinking and the scientific method and real research. I read New Scientist whenever I get the chance. And a lot of my writing is speculative fiction, which is the broad banner which covers science fiction, fantasy, weird fiction and horror. And nature, I can't get enough of nature. Um, I find it fascinating and just liberating. I'm out there whenever I get the chance every weekend, bushwalking and rock climbing. My honest thesis in 2017 at Griffith Uni looked at how nature and especially the forest is characterized in fiction. And my thesis is titled Nature, Emotion and the Supernatural, although it really looks at the characterization of nature in novels. Most of the time nature's characterized as a baddie, mm-hmm. um, possibly because environmental conflict is a key conflict in fiction. And that makes a book good reading and a page turner. So if the forest is in a book, And it's adding tension, it's working as an adversary within the story. When the forest is represented as an ally instead, that's usually a result of an author's deliberate decision, such as how Thorea Dyer characterises nature in her series, the first novel of which is Crossroads of Canopy. And, like, I'm guilty of using nature for conflict in my fiction, too. I've had sensitive readers pull me up on it and say, you know, do you really want to represent the mountain as a baddie when you're like a nature lover and a rock climber? It's actually really hard to avoid representing nature as a baddie because the fear factor is fun reading and writing. And unfortunately, that's counter to what conservation psychology says encourages people to care about nature. To care about nature, people need a connection with nature to perceive nature as vulnerable. And I think as writers, we should be conscious of this because as writers and artists, we have the opportunity to share a conceptualization or vision of nature that encourages people to connect with nature, to appreciate nature and the value of nature. So we can spread its message of how magnificent yet vulnerable it is to those people who can't be in nature for whatever reason. And I love that as artists we can transport people into nature with our images and words. And I feel it's really important to get those messages of survival, of continuation and of the need for protection out there, especially after an incident as devastating as the fires at Binnaburra which i think left the global community thinking that the rainforest in binabara might have been like completely destroyed. So in the forest story workshops which i ran at binabara, a key aim was to create short pieces of writing that shared an experience within nature and evoked positive feelings for the reader to nurture those harmonious relationships between people and the forest. Because in fiction nature can be quite scary, but in reality nature's really lovely like I mean there are there are dangers and challenges maybe Mm -hmm. if you go on an overnight hike but
0: most of us love being out in the forest on a nice day it's Mm. beautiful and it's so interesting you say that about nature being cast in the role of the baddie or the adversary to the hero and I, I was thinking back this is many years ago now but when the movie Avatar came out Quite a lot of my environmental friends and I talked about the power of that story narrative, um, which took us into a different experience of nature, the wonder of nature, the absolute beauty of it and the healing power of it. And I also had a couple of conversations with some traditional owners after that, and they said that's the best thing they've seen in mainstream popular culture. That actually spoke of the way they felt of their mm-hmm. relationship with nature and that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's a general comment by traditional owners and, and First Nations people, but it was just a conversation I had with, with a couple of folk who said that that was sort of a good depiction of that connection and the power in a positive way. So I I find it really interesting that this is part of what you take to your workshops and allow people to experience this alternative and maybe a more conscious way of portraying nature and forests because we all know the dark forest and the forbidden forest and, you know, they're all cursed. (laughs) You set foot in there and that's it, you're dead um, or some horrible malignant illness will befall you. So that's such a lovely turnaround and a recasting so i find that really really interesting that that's what your participants got to experience and you know there there is part of the story like if you're from outside australia people see nature in australia as being quite scary
2: absolutely it's funny isn't it it's It's got snakes it's got spiders but (laughs) it's it's good I find it's those experiences that are distant from nature and like looking at it from a distance and seeing all these scary things whereas when you're out there you're like well maybe there's a snake there's a snake but it's okay it's just slithering over there isn't it and
0: that's yeah, fine. I, we've just made a whole bunch me. of snake <laughs> disliking people shiver right now. <laughs> I totally get it. I'm a snake girl. I totally love snakes. They're okay. Like, oh, they're better Mostly. than okay. But that's my personal experience and my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. So that's a, such an interesting approach. So thank you for sharing that because I can see how the power of what you're doing within the Art Nature Science program is really taking people out of maybe what's an unconscious storyline into a much more conscious experience of how nature and forests is depicted. And I, I love that. Yeah. I hope you get to do that workshop again, Helen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a couple of rapid fire questions at you. Uh-oh. Don't think, just give me the first thing that comes to mind. If you had to sum up Binabara in one photo, what would it be? Probably the dawn, um the mm-hmm. view over to the Hins Dam and the, the mist Down the valley. Yep, I get it. Creativity is? Letting your spirit be free and express itself. Yay. I love that. And what's inspiring you right now? I'm going to say escape. Just Mm -hmm. that. Again, freedom. So what does escape escape feel like and look like to you?
2: Either being out, walking around in the mountains or sitting with a cup of coffee and my computer and imagining something Mm -hmm. and working that way.
0: Great. So thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'd love to just ask you, is there anything else you'd like to add about your take on the Art Nature Science program and the Binnaburra experience for people listening?
2: Oh, look, it's been wonderful to be a part of it. Um, Like I feel like it's such important work and Mm. I encourage people to get involved as volunteers, participants and audience. And I'm also really excited about the Binnabar book that's coming out. In the
0: future. So I'd encourage people to check that out. Beautiful. And... I'd also echo your comments. Anyone would like to get involved, be a volunteer, you can reach out to us on the Binnaburra Lodge website, which is part of the show notes. How can people connect with you and your creative practice, Helen? Yeah. Oh, just look up my website,
2: my blog, um, helenstubbs.wordpress.com. I write a fair bit on there about my daily life what i'm up to Um, and there's a contact form there too that they can get in touch if they'd like to
0: yeah fantastic well i'll have all those details for everyone who's listening in the show notes so you can get onto helen's website and get in touch with her or follow along with what she puts up on her blog thank you helen for joining me today on the podcast thank you for the interview and thank you for the great work that you're doing for Vinavara's art nature science too Beautiful. The producers and artists on this podcast acknowledge the traditional owners of the Binnabar area and Lamington National Park, the Yugambeh Language Group. We also thank Catherine Slingsby for the podcast's theme music, an excerpt from her piece, Sweet Dream.